What's up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for listening to everything here at Go Long. You can catch the podcast at golongtd.com, of course, if you're listening right here. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, with us having a story on the New York Giants this morning, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, Joe Shane, the direction of a team somewhat left for dead 13, 14 months ago. Looking pretty good now. Uh, I just thought it'd be a good time to uh, bring on one of the best of the very best who cover the New York Giants, and that would be Pat Leonard, New York Daily News, a Giants beat writer, NFL columnist. Be sure to check out all of his work over there at the New York Daily News. He also has a podcast on the Believe Network, uh, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, and you can follow him on Twitter at PLeonardNYDN. Uh, we get into all things Daniel Jones, why the Giants had to get this done, and why this is actually a, a team-friendly contract when you really look at the nitty-gritty, uh, the impact that Darren Waller is expected to have on this offense, $11 million this year. They're hoping to get a lot out of him, and just some big-picture talk on the direction of the team. So hope you enjoy, and thank you so much for listening, sharing, uh, reviewing. This is how we keep this podcast growing, as always. Go Long with Dunn and Monus, even though we're Monusless on this episode, is brought to you by Fatty Beer Company, Orchard Park, Downtown Buffalo, Hamburg. They're all over the place. Make sure you pop on in and grab some beer. Thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy. The great Pat Leonard, New York Daily News, NFL columnist, Giants beat writer, and the host of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard on the Believe Network. Doing it all, man. I, I see your name pop up all day, every day, breaking news, writing great stories. You're unbelievably versatile, so it's a, it's a pleasure to talk a little New York Giants with you, Pat. We've been kind of ships passing in the night at at different events. So I feel like this is the first time we've actually had a chance to uh, talk ball. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what an introduction, man. Thank you so much. Um, I admire everything you're doing at Go Long and, uh, you know, the initiative, the talent, and above all, the work ethic. You know, the people I think that I admire the most in this business are the ones who, um, you know, they, even if they write a great story, they know tomorrow they have to wake up and do it again. And I think you're doing it, and I, I think it's great. So thank, I'm honored to be on the podcast now, man. Well, that's enough smoke blown up my ass, but I really appreciate it, Pat. That's, <laughs> that's super nice of you. I mean um, it. I mean it. It's <laughs> uh, Well, you know what? I, I got to say, like, I didn't really know what the giant fan base was like until uh, doing a series on Gettleman and Judge and the ship, you know, crashing into the iceberg there. and. I mean that that's a an unbelievable fan base to to serve day day in and day out. I mean they've got to be hungry for every parcel of information, and I mean we might as well dive right into it. How how did, how in the hell did we get from there to here? Um, <laughs> where where do you even begin? Because it just seemed like this was a franchise so freaking far from being um, competent, let alone 
relevant, let alone talking Super Bowl, right? I mean, Joe Shane is asked about Daniel Jones being a Super Bowl quarterback. He didn't really flinch. He said, I mean, that's the goal. We, we do this deal. We're, we're thinking about games like that. Uh, is it as simple as I'm kind of making it out to be over here and go along? Like, you you remove the virus. You remove this terrible general manager who people don't like to work for and is making a lot of a lot of really bad decisions. And you bring in the grownups who know what they're doing. I, I don't know. Where would you even start? Yes. I, listen, it started with Eli Manning and holding on too long. And that's how it started. It was great quarterback, represents the franchise well, won two Super Bowls. And we just can't tell them it's time. And Gettleman's hiring coincided with and enabled the uh, extension of Eli's career a couple years past where it needed to go. And it wasn't just Eli. It was drafting Saquon number two, not just because he was a great player that they thought was talented. It was to help Eli make one more run. And they were building a team to go for it once more with number 10. And they did not recognize and have struggled as a franchise to recognize. And you've chronicled this as well. They are not great at self-evaluating compared to some other franchises who we see year in and year out are consistently competitive and contending. And so the way we got here was by not recognizing they needed to restock and reload, they sent themselves further into the basement by trying to stick with something that wasn't going to work anymore. And what Gettleman then did was came in and not only executed that flawed plan, but then especially through flawed free agent signings and spending of money, poor operations, some draft picks that blew up in his face, And by the end, let's just fast forward a little bit. There was a glimmer of light in Joe Judge's first season during the COVID year. The NFC East was awful. They nearly win the division at seven or at six and 10. And there were some good things that Joe Judge brought to the Giants that they needed. They needed to just have more structure. They needed an adult in the room. So Judge comes in and gives you that. But what happened was in the second year, again, they didn't know who they were. They said, we just went six and 10 and almost won the division. Let's load up and go for it. And they spent on Kenny Galladay. They gave Leonard Williams an absurd extension and on and on. And we all saw the result, the positive and the reason we have turned around fairly quickly. And this is not turned all the way around, obviously. And who knows how much their easier schedule in the first season of Shane Dable contributed to everyone in the NFC East's success, not just the Giants. We're going to wait and see there. But the biggest change from the end of Gettleman Judge to the beginning of Shane Dable is that the GM and the head coach are on the same page. Because at the end, you know, Judge was struggling to delegate really anything. Um, He and Gettleman were, you know, it it was oil and water. And no coach, no GM can handle it all. And so now we have Joe Shane and Dable, who you know well, are guys who come from the same um, philosophy, the same approach, and who are communicating to each other what they need. And it's a and it's an honest conversation. And I know that the 
there's some things that still need to improve. It's not all positive, right? Everyone's still working on getting it better and rebuilding the team. But the fact that they have the two guys at the top of the masthead on the same page is the greatest difference from a few years ago and the best, best positive as we look to 2023. <laughs> like, like any business, I mean, really just sports or otherwise it, sometimes it's not that complicated. <laughs> just get if, if the people at the top are getting along and they know what the hell they're doing, but they had a big decision to make at quarterback. And I, I loved how, how they handled Daniel Jones from the get go. I mean, you were at Brian Dable's introductory press conference where, I mean, he said, we're going to figure out what he does. Well, we're, we're going to figure out his strengths, accentuate that, put in our offense, put him in the best positions to succeed. I mean, we, we saw it all here in Buffalo with, what he did for Josh Allen year one to year two to year three. It's, it's surreal. I mean, it was historic. And, and now you kind of see Josh Allen isn't the same without him. I, I think they left the, let the wrong coach leave the building, honestly, <clears throat> but you know, his coaching stands for itself, but they didn't pick up the option. So, you know, they didn't lock in uh, outside of maybe Daniel Jones's inner circle. I, I don't know how many people, did anybody really think that was a realistic option? Maybe I should ask you, the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones back then. Was that even a debate, or was it like, of course you're not going to pick that up? Because John Mara said at the hiring of Shane and Dable that he still had a strong belief in Daniel Jones, you knew that it was at least a consideration. But once you learned how Shane and Dable were approaching it and how what what you gathered at the start was that Mara was going to give Shane the keys to fixing it. And once yeah. that became clear that that was true, then you could tell that Joe Shane and Dable's plan was wait and see and not lock themselves in. Which is unbelievably promising, right? For ownership to remain on the outside. <clears throat> you bring in independent thinkers with no incestual ties to the organization. That's, that's what they've always needed. And then just, you know, see – See what happens. Wins nine games, wins a playoff game, does a lot of good with, you know, the scrap barrel peep around him. And I, I know the forty million threw a lot of people off. I, I can't wait to hear your your take on it. But I, I loved it. I mean, I think this is a perfect balance of okay, two years. You know, you you, you can still go hunting for quarterbacks. Right. I mean, you, you can still draft somebody this year, next year, the year after. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. And if he does turn out to be the second coming of Josh Allen, all of a sudden you have a bargain. Uh, I, I don't know. He does. He, he deserves the chance to stick around at a pretty penny with actual talent around him, which they brought in this week with, with Darren Waller and everything we'll get into here. But what was your interpretation of? A, kind of how they proceeded with Daniel Jones from, from that introductory press conference on through the season into this offseason and what it ended up being. Yeah, so as you mentioned right at the top, the plan was, and what everyone thought was going to happen was, Daniel Jones plays out the string. This season goes poorly from a record standpoint because they just didn't have any money to improve the team going in. And so it was going to be a tear-it-down year with an eye on the 2023 draft and building from there. Daniel Jones turned it into a, you're going to pay me because I'm your guy kind of year. <laughs> so credit to him and credit obviously to Dable, Kafka, 
Wink Martindale on the defensive end, which is really the side of the ball that even though the offense improved, the defense is the reason they start six and one. And then we're able to kind of weather the storm to get into the playoffs and then beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, but, you know, Daniel Jones made it happen, changed the plan, the plan that ownership and the Giants wanted to see him execute and turn on its head. But they were prepared to see it go the other way, obviously not picking up the fifth year option if he didn't do it. So he does it. He gets it done. The contract comes out. I agree with you. I think, listen, I talked to a lot of people around the league after this contract came out because you hear 40 million and knowing, knowing how the giants were approaching negotiations and knowing um, what values quarterbacks have in the league right now. And Josh Allen making, you know, at least 43 a year. Once you hear 40 Daniel Jones, your first reaction is what? And but once you recognize that it's really only a three-year deal that has 37 and a half a year, and also to your point, that 82 million guaranteed in the first two, and you don't have to get to the 12 million guaranteed in the third year if you don't want, if you're the Giants, it's a team-friendly contract. Like Daniel Jones's agents at Athletes First, they worked hard. They got him great money in those first two years, but I think they could have done even better for the player if they didn't treat the tag deadline as his deadline, uh, if they held the Giants' feet to the fire e even more. The Giants are in a good place as a team because they could draft, you just said it, they can draft Caleb Williams out of USC next year if Daniel Jones and the Giants go in the tank in 2023. They did not commit to Daniel Jones long-term on this contract. They're giving him $11 million more in the next two years than they would have if they tagged him twice in a row. So there's a premium there. But, you know, that's a premium based on he's a known commodity. You know he's a leader. You know he's a good guy. You know he's team first. You know he's hard-nosed. You know he's tough. You know he's smart. All those things. So I have no problem with the money he got. I think he earned it. And I really... You know, you mentioned Gettleman off the top and how do we get here? Tyler, like this, the, these are the kind of decisions that, listen, could it go wrong for them? Sure. But it just seems like, or not seems like Shane, Joe Shane has a plan and a process. Now, I don't know if it's yeah. all going to work out, but the way that they structured this contract to give the player what he wanted, but to protect the organization, frankly, this is how you don't stay bad. <laughs> this is how you <laughs> right. leave doors. You, you, you have these like escape hatches to uh, sustainability yeah. or reclamation, if you will. That's so perfectly said. You're right. It's, it, it really is the ultimate compromise middle ground. He gets the money he deserves. He's going to have a playmaker, a tight end. If he can say, if he can stay healthy. Right. And he's going to have a chance to win and earn more beyond those two years, stick around beyond those two years, but the Giants gave themselves an out. And I, I just give Joe Shane so much credit because, I mean, you've covered the NFL for a long time. There's just so much ego involved. I mean, these GMs, and I, I, I even I understand it, really. You think of somebody like Joe Shane coming up as a scout and you sacrifice everything. I mean, you're missing your kids' birthdays, Little League championship games. You're out on the road. You're living in a Marriott. You're in <laughs> – you know, BFE, Iowa, you know, whatever, wherever you are in the country, like you're sacrificing your life to, to write a report. You finally get your chance as a GM. You're running a team. You would, you 
all they all want their own guy. <laughs> like give give me my quarterback. I'm going to you know I'm going to hire my assistant GM. I'm my whole personnel department. I got my head coach. We're going to do our thing. That's how it usually goes. And to his credit, they didn't look at Daniel Jones as just uh, you know chop liver, you know, washed up, you know, just uh, remnants from the old regime. They gave him a real chance to succeed. He did. They get this deal done. And that just speaks to the process that you're getting into here. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned it it is funny to me because I'm watching the Bears very closely as, you know, Ryan Poles was a finalist for the Giants job that Joe Shane got and Joe Shane interviewed for the Bears job that Ryan Poles got. Both guys inherited situations and inherited quarterbacks and are now it appears both moving forward with both of those quarterbacks that initially it didn't look like either would be doing um and so it's really fascinating seeing that and like you said that's a good problem um but i'm also following those two rebuilds if you will closely and as they coincide uh because it is very interesting to see the giants let's just face it tyler the giants thought they were going to be bad in 2022 yeah, yeah. and it's, it's true. the bears and the bears did too the bears were <laughs> and the giants weren't and so part of the giants plan was not only for hey we're probably not going to be good it was to have a top five pick because not we not that we want to have a top five pick but we feel like we have that roster right now and so it's a little crazy and uh turning and it's on its head that they have the 25th pick in the first round <laughs> in Joe Shane's second draft. So that's why you're also seeing some of these um, pivots and like, you know, plan B's that he can execute because it really wasn't what they thought was going to happen coming in. Well, and you think about Buffalo with, with Brandon Bean, who he, he references their conversations all the time. I, I think he told you guys how, um, like through this quarterback negotiation, like he, he felt for Brandon, you know, seeing him in the morning, like he was up all night, just not able to sleep through it all. Well, the, the bills, they broke. I mean, they, they ended the drought with Tarod Taylor and a lot of the players from, you know, Doug Whaley and Jim Otis, my, my co-host on this podcast. Uh, they easily could have kind of talked themselves in Tyrod or, you know, kind of keeping that group together to an extent. I know that it's an imperfect uh, comparison. You know, there wasn't a Saquon Barkley there. LaShawn McCoy was on his last legs, but at the same time, they still, after going nine and seven and I mean, it was nuts here. I I remember seeing grown adults cry that night that Andy Dalton hit Tyler Boyd. It was, it was nuts when the, when the drought ended. I mean, that was like one of the greatest moments in Bill's history involved the, the the Bengals and the Ravens. Uh, That's You bring up an interesting point. Because to the point right before they paid Daniel Jones, I, in fact, at the NFL Combine, a lot of conversations I was having were, was about people saying, look at how this Giants team so far with Shane is mirroring what Bean was doing with the Bills. What you were just saying, you know, getting to the playoffs, you know, that first year and surprising people and all that. But what did Buffalo do? They did not. Um, exactly. They didn't stick with their hearts and players that just got us here. They tore some of it apart and they retooled. They went and got their quarterback and off we go. The giants aren't doing that. And, you know, yes, Daniel Jones is young and he's your first round pick and all of that. But this is actually, honestly, a story that I've been 
percolating on this idea that I think deserves to be written. You could probably write a great version of it too. Probably isn't even the word, but this is starting to veer in a different direction, a, a giant's yeah. direction, right? The direction of we like our guys and we're going to build around our guys to get there. So it'll be fascinating to see whether uh, veering off of that slightly is the uh, appropriate play. That, that's exactly what I was going to get into because they, they <laughs> easily could have said they could have done that. Be like Daniel Jones isn't good enough. Daniel Jones and this current team just got shellacked by Philly. That's the bar. And right now we're not good enough with this quarterback. Um, they could have, you know, bid, bid him farewell, bid him adieu, and and just tried to trade up for one of these quarterbacks. There's a lot of them in this draft. Uh, you, you know, be aggressively try to, to get somebody. It, it'd take a lot more probably. I, I don't know what their draft capital situation is or anybody even wants their players in a trade. I mean, the Bills had like Cordy Glenn, so they had a big tackle they could kind of dangle out there to Cincinnati. Right. Uh, but they, they could have gone that route, and they could have moved on from Daniel Jones, but I still love the fact that they didn't because I think we we always talk about like the rookie quarterback contract clock and when you're it, when you have that rookie quarterback that's really good that's a benefit because you can pay everybody else and you can go for it but what about like that developmental clock of a quarterback and like Justin Fields same thing in Chicago he's he's developing maybe maybe it takes one two three four years for a quarterback to really turn a corner I mean that's why I love Jordan Love so much in Green Bay he's been He's been developing for three years. I mean, he's ready to go right now. We just we want everything so instantaneous because of Twitter and you know social media and how we're all wired. But sometimes it's okay to just develop a quarterback. And now this is going to be a second year with Dayball, and they have a good thing going. So why not just keep a good thing going? Yeah, for sure. And 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 Daniel Jones's frustrating amount of turnover with play callers and offenses and systems. I mean. Finally, now he gets to go into a second straight season in the same system with the same head coach, the same offensive coordinator, and the same offense. And that is when you talk about, can he take it to the next level? Can the Giants take it to the next level? That is as promising as anything. Well, just everything. I mean, there's so much to happen with this team this week. What what jumped to you most? Um, is it is it Waller? Is it Saquon Barkley? Is it Paris Campbell? Like, uh, good or bad, what what kind of made you you know do a double take? For well, agency? two two things as I percolate on it because we now we've uh, I'm glad we're talking now after we've seen like a good amount of moves made and two things. One, even though they've made some additions, I am fascinated by the fact that they're kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, running it back with last year's core because yes, they exceeded expectations and got to the playoffs, but we all saw their games against the Eagles, right? And they struggle to beat the Cowboys. They struggle to beat the Eagles. Are they uh, a good tight end and inside linebacker and a couple other pieces away from that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they're more, they're further away from those guys than that. So that's one thing I have a takeaway. It's still early in the off season. I know the other thing I think is interesting is that, So Joe Shane has been very, has he's been adamant since he got here when he discusses, you mentioned, you know, growing up as a scout and uh, as Brandon Bean's right-hand man, and now as a general manager, personnel is his game. And 
he constantly references the the value of durability with players. He places a premium on guys uh, being on the field, being available, and also if they're if they have an injury history, having a an extremely deep knowledge of what they are and how they tick so that you can at least manage it. So I look at Paris Campbell and Darren Waller as additions. They interest me because they are not the normal Joe Shane target. The way he discusses durability and as a necessity. Now, listen, these are lower risk moves, right? Third round pick for Waller, no guarantee money after this year. Paris Campbell, one year deal with some incentives in it. So it's not like they're tying to these guys long term. But it's it's super interesting to me that Shane has kind of taken that route because I know it's not the route that, as he speaks publicly about his philosophy, is not the one that he preaches. Um, and I think really what it comes down to, Tyler, is this is still a long-term rebuild. But because Jones and the team did the way they did last year, they now know, okay, we gave Daniel some money. We have to give him weapons now in this two-year window. It wouldn't be fair to pay him, and it wouldn't make sense to pay him and then say, we're going to still work on the, you know, a 2025 plan to get there, right? They got to do it yeah. now, yeah. right? They got to get back to the playoffs next year. So um, straddling that line is always dangerous. Um, and I know both of those points I just made are kind of critical rather than praise. Um, but, you know, I do think they've addressed – They've, they've so far hit a lot of the areas they intended to hit. And Okereke at linebacker is fast. Um, whether he's playing the mic or will for them, um, he's going to be a huge upgrade. And let's face it, I think I, I was looking at it earlier. I think the Eagles had, I think it was 268 rushing yards on the Giants in that uh, divisional playoff blowout. And, you know, when you add Runes, Runes Noches at, um, defensive line, you add Okereke at inside linebacker. They're going to add a corner probably in the draft, if not also one in free agency. You know, that defense needed those pieces. Uh, they're not done yet, but um, they have had a targeted plan that they've attacked and hit a lot of the positions that I knew going in were ones that they wanted. So that's good to see. And there weren't wide receivers just to go shopping for in free agency, right? And that, that's about as weak of a market as you're going to see. So use that third round pick that you got from Tony on Darren Waller. And um, I, I could be wrong. Did you ask that question at the end about like the no guaranteed money uh, beyond this year? And like, do you want some reassurances? Are you talking? And I, he, I, I don't remember what his answer was, but body language always speaks so much. And, it just seems like this is going to be a player who, let's face it, we're all human. This is a huge year for Darren Waller and his his life. I mean, he just gets married. He's back from his honeymoon, and this is his, his bite at the apple. I mean, you want these players that are really, really talented in contract years with a lot to play for, and you know he's he can be a stud. I mean, we've we've seen it uh, at his peak with the Raiders. He's going to have incentive to stay healthy, stay on the field. Sounds like this offseason he's, you know, going to dial it back and not, you know, just put himself through, you know, junction, junction boy hell. Wants to make sure he'll be good to go for the start of the season. But, yeah, I, I, that's why I kind of like this signing, too. You're getting somebody with a lot of incentive to have a really big year. He does. You're right. Personally, he does. The Giants need him to. 
there's a lot of motivation on both sides. You're absolutely right. I think he did seem a little jarred by the fact that the trade happened. Like he knew that his name was out there last year too. It's not, I don't think it was a surprise to him that he's not on the Raiders. Uh, right. Green that, Bay. Yeah. Right. But that did kind of, that trade to the giants did kind of pop up out of nowhere and you could tell he admitted it. He said, I didn't see this coming. Um, you know, I do find here's, here's something else to watch. Not for giants fans, for NFL fans, the giants really have struggled lately to keep guys healthy. And um, last year they dialed it back from Joe judge's program. And obviously the players like doing a little bit less and taking care of their bodies, especially as the season goes on, but they really had a ton of injuries. There was this, they were the sixth, most injured team in the league, according to man games lost. Uh, that's a good website. Um, if you ever check it out, but um, they had 10 of their 11 draft picks missed games due to injury. Some of them major injuries. They had several torn strain MCLs, ACLs, a ton of neck injuries. I just bring that up. And because this has been an annual problem now with them, where uh, I'm not sure if doing less is the right thing to do, <laughs> I guess is what I'm getting at with Waller. He mentioned that he was going to dial it back. But he also said all of his best years in Vegas were when he grinded in the offseason. Now he's 30 years old now, so things change. But I'm fascinated by that, Tyler. I'm fascinated by how he intends to stay on the field, how the Giants help him do it. And um, you're paying him over $11 million. And you know, forget, forget that that's, you know, money. It's more about the amount of cap space and salary they're spending on that player means he has to be on the field for them to be anything close to the offense that they want to be, because really you look at their offense right now and they're not, um, they're not done. I know they're not done, but they're, they are not dramatically different there other than Waller. Now, Campbell, I like Campbell as a player. But he's got a similar type skill set to like they had Richie James and Kadarius Tony here last year at the same time at one point. And I think Campbell can give you a little bit of what both of those guys can give you from the speed aspect, from a versatility aspect, playing inside and outside. Uh, but I think Waller's size and ability and target range is really the thing that could change the way that you even call plays in this offense. And I mean, Tyler, the, the giants offensive line was not the weakness that it had been in the past last year, but when they played the Eagles again, when they played the Cowboys, when Daniel Jones is under quick duress, he didn't have a target like Darren Waller as a security blanket. Now he does if he's on the field. So uh, you hit, you hit the nail right, right on the head. Huge, huge if, but man, I just remember but for blood and guts, Tony Gonzalez, at one point, he's just is like shaking his head. He's like, shit, man. I wish, I wish they just threw me the ball like Darren Waller the other night. I think he had like 22 targets <laughs> or something, something crazy. I mean, some of these tight ends, it's like, I'm, I'm sure he's not seven feet tall, 370 pounds, but sometimes Waller just would play like that. Like, so you get him at his best. Who knows at 30, if, if, if that player is still in there. Uh, what a steal. Yeah. So I, I love the gamble. It's worth it. Yeah. Well, Pat, you were unbelievable. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your insight. Uh, New York Daily News. So, I mean, obviously you cover the Giants, but you bring a lot to the, the table as an NFL columnist looking at the league as a whole. And your podcast is right in the Believe Network, right? 
talking ball with Pat Leonard. Everybody should add it to the library. That's right. Yeah. Hey, no, thank, we, thanks so uh, much. We, let's, let's do it again soon. So honored to be on the podcast and thanks. Thanks again, Tyler. And, uh, Hey, maybe we'll have you over on talking ball sometime and do a home and home. I would look forward to that. Say the word, man. Just say the word. Appreciate you. Take care.